0: Hello, and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records Punk Go series. I am Sam, you are Emma, Hi. and through the computer is exalted guest Richard S. He.
1: Hey now, this is me.
0: <laughs> you are an all-star.
1: Thank you. Thank you kindly. Cool. I just decided I'm going to record this whole episode standing up, so. Oh, cool. Yeah.
2: Why? I don't have a
1: standing desk. Uh... I wish I did. Um, I've been sedentary for too much of today, so maybe it'll literally keep me on my toes.
0: I have used a standing desk a couple of times at work, and it's one of those things you don't realize it's kind of cool to stand until you can. Totally. Yeah, and when you can actually do it, it's like, oh, I can actually stretch my legs and it feels great. Yeah. And when I need to sit down again, I can sit down again.
1: Yeah.
0: Desk goes up, desk goes down, pretty much. Yeah, or you just you can
1: just kind of like lean, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can I can look cool while taking calls. Like, hey, leaning on the desk.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Hell yeah. The joys yeah, of nah. modern workplaces.
0: <laughs> yeah, but now we're stuck at home and I don't have a standing desk. Aww. So, oh, I
2: don't have a desk. <laughs> I have
0: a kitchen table. We can swap at any point. We've discussed this.
2: We'll take this conversation offline.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> so this week, we are discussing the song Welcome to 1984 by Anti-Flag, uh, which featured on Punk Goes Acoustic 2. But before we begin, Richard has kindly and very politely asked if <laughs> we can discuss something real quick. So absolutely, you can. Go for it.
1: I'll probably spend a minute on this, Max, but um, I just watched the Motley Crue biopic – uh the dirt on Netflix um this morning actually as part of a Netflix party thing hosted by our dear friends at Metallicast. Um ah, excellent. Yeah, I just
2: yeah. want to say
1: Yeah, I just want to say that it was kinda of exactly what I expected. Maybe a bit more enjoyable, but still kinda of dumb and you know, the biopic they deserve. So
0: that's my review. That's <laughs> there you go.
2: That's Richard's book report. I
0: I kind of forgot about it and woke up and put on wrestling and then we went for a, a lovely walk. Nice. So I would have been anyway. So. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. you had a very good morning. I did.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. And then I really didn't do much after that. And now I feel like I've wasted the day. Aww. it's fine. Yeah. I
2: think everyone is feeling that at the moment. Yeah. Mm. True. <sighs> so Samuel, seeing as you did most of the notes, I did zero of the notes. Would you like to introduce us to anti-flag? Do people say anti-flag or anti-flag? I say
0: anti-flag. I say anti. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. I mean, who's going to correct us at this point? Hey, comment and correct us. Yeah. Okay. I dare you. I dare you. a yeah. <laughs> double dog dare you. So yes, no, we are not going back to 1984. We are in 2020. Um, yeah, about anti-flag. They formed in 1988 from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they do the, what did I write here? They do the thing of giving themselves, oh, yeah. This so, is
2: why taking notes is important. <laughs> Note-taking is an art.
0: So, like, no, but they do that sort of thing where they, they give themselves kooky names.
2: Yeah, similar to, like,
0: Avenged Mindless seven.
2: Self-Indulgence. Yeah, Mindless
0: self yeah, Jimmy Urine or Johnny Urine.
2: Do we think that's kind of died out in recent eras of music genres, whatever?
0: Unless your band has kind of a gimmick, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're a rapper or something, then
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. True.
0: But yeah, I don't think that sort of happens in. I don't know. I don't know a modern punk band that has formed in the last couple of years to be able to tell you if that's a thing that still happens or a modern. Like, I don't think it happens in metal. Um, no. The the most recent one I can think of is probably Ghost. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They lean all yeah, the way in the, into that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're um because he's I think well he's Papa Emeritus and yeah. then um they're all just ghouls. Ghoul number one, ghoul number two. <laughs> <laughs> I think Portal do it as well. Um, yeah, superior band to Ghost, but uh, different. And sort of, you're very, very different. Yeah, yeah. I'm i just want to say from. Our country,
1: yeah. Portal. They're from Canberra. Their singer on stage wears what looks like a grandfather clock on his head. Yeah, right. um, a grandfather clock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, very spooky. I think,
0: and also, I they. Think he's it now. Sorry. I think he's changed it now. It's like this really ah. sort of. It's like this hood, and he, it kind of looks like an old person underneath the hood. Cool. Like you can kind of see it. Like it's very veiled. Yeah. Um, and it's re- and like he's got like the he's. Put like tentacles on his fingers as well. Cool. it's Really spooky.
1: I should look deeper then, into them because um they they kind of sound like a vacuum cleaner, but
0: yeah, like in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> it, like a vacuum cleaner, but it's it, mostly just about H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, it's very artful. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. But, yeah,
2: I'm looking at pictures now. This is interesting.
0: Mm. Well, I have a portal hoodie. Oh,
2: do you? Yeah,
0: I think I've seen uh, it. I'm not going to get it right now, but it's the way it, it says Vexavoid on the back, and it's got like a worm sort of thing. On the, I'll show you when we when we're done. It's not that <laughs> good. Album.
2: Everyone um, listening
0: at home, yes. just loving this discussion right now. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, all right, the name like the band members of uh, Anti Flag. They go by the names of Justin Sane, Chris. Justin's son? Ju- no, I, it, it corrected itself. So it's Justin <laughs> Justin Sane. Yeah. Chris Head, Chris Number Two, <laughs> and Pat Thetic. <laughs> form, former members included Andy Flag and Lucy Festa.
1: So what came first, Anti Flag or Andy Flagg?
0: I what, Andy Flag. what if it's such a coincidence that that's his name?
1: That'd be so cool,
0: right? My name is Mr. Flagg. It's like,
1: um, it's like, uh, Best Coast, the band being named after the singer Bethany Cosentino.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or, well, I don't know if they named it after that, but Van Halen, how there's Eddie Van Halen. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. And his brother, wasn't there? Was there a brother in the band? Van Halen. And then, and then his son. Yeah. That's the actual surname though. So. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just think that, and it's not even like it's named after the singer, it's named after the guitarist. Which yep. is dope. um so yeah the the band have they're a very 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 political band Mm -hmm. um they've explained that their name isn't to do with any like anti-american sentimentality though uh it's about it's about anti-war anti-flag means the common people of the world are better off living in unity and peace anti-flag means to stand against corporate greed that hurts millions while benefiting a handful of extremely rich. Anti-flag means to fight against mindless nationalism. Anti-flag means unity. I like that. That's a quote as well. Mm. Um, So the band were accused of selling out when they signed to RCA Records for a two-record deal in 2005. The defence against this claim was that it would bring their message to more people. RCA has, like, that's a pretty big label Mm. from what I... Yeah. What I looked into, like, is, I thought, like Justin Timberlake's attached to it, and I
2: think
0: maybe so. like Christine Aguilera, like a whole bunch. Like, it's a it's a huge label. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, you pulled up an, an alternative press Indeed. article about yeah. How there's it's been. Oh you go.
1: Yeah, sure. There's um yeah. There's an old press article from a couple years ago, um, by a writer who, um, during the band's kind of prime around like 2005 was um yeah. a 14 year old. Marxist who cut ties with them after like they signed the record deal. He was like super, you know, offended and thought it went against like all their principles and stuff. Um, I kinda had a read through a quick read through the piece and I feel like the intent is good, but it's also kind of ridiculous because it's like ninety five percent writing from his perspective then without hindsight. So he's like writing in the present. And then the end's just like, Oh, okay, but I grew up, okay, maybe I'll listen to
0: buy. <sighs> Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> it's kind of like I, I always thought it was hilarious in some kind of monster when they show the um, when Lars is doing the whole "fuck Napster, I'm going to sue them" kind of thing.
2: Mm. And
0: there's the person who's so upset that that Lars Ulrich was like, "No, no, you can't have our music for free." He's like, "I'm going to destroy all my Metallica CDs," and I'm just I'm laughing at this person going, thinking, "You have all of their Metallica CDs. Why do you need Napster?" Why do you need yeah. to take their music from Napster, yet you're going to destroy their CDs? It is kind of silly. What I, I a I, I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> some kind of monster. Uh, Good movie. I, yeah,
2: I sort of noted here, like, the closest I've ever had to a uh, I can't believe you've done this moment with a band was when I snubbed for that boy for maybe, like, I can't even remember how long it was, like maybe six months or something around Duke because mm. they were doing, like, these meet-and-greet packages where it was, like, that was – I think that was when, like, meet-and-greets were really starting to become a thing or were a thing at the time. And, yeah, I think yeah. it was, like, 250 bucks to, like, line up, have a photo taken with yeah. them. And I was just like, no, fuck you, and, like, got really upset about it for no reason. Um and then, yeah, that was, like, Folio Dew was, like, one of the best albums that they've done, so I don't know why I decided to cut off my nose to spy my face kind of thing. Um, what? Sorry. You
0: go. I was just going to say, when I was, like, in my late teens, early 20s, I would have had that fucking sellout kind of mentality, but now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, but I like to eat. Like, I don't I don't romance the idea of the, the poor starving artist anymore. I'm like, mm. nah, it, it, get your money, son.
2: I think, yeah, like... This whole idea of bands selling out, particularly in the punk, and I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, scene is just such a—it's just such a stupid, like childish argument. Like I was watching um, the doco One Nine Nine Four last week, and it just chronicles like how 1994 was like a big year for punk rock, and so they interview the likes of Billy Joe from Green Day and. Fat Mike from Effects and all those ones. And, yeah, I think Billy or someone adjacent to Billy was talking about how when they signed to a major label and, like, Gilman Street, like, a venue they used to play mm. all the time, like, just dropped them, their community dropped them, they're like, nah, go fuck yourselves. But it's like, how can, I don't understand how you can sort of reconcile the idea of, like, this is what they do for a living but yep. you're not allowed to earn a living from it.
0: Do you want them to have a day job because they're going to have less time to do what you love them doing if they have a day job? Yeah, yeah, and
1: also that um, you do genuinely want to bring your message to more people.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love that Green Day were their were at their most successful, making their most money when they were being their most political. Absolutely. As well.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because they never really were hugely before American Idiot, right?
2: No, like there were a couple Mm. of songs here and there where it was, I don't know, like, uh, what's that song? Minority. Like there were ones where there were a little like middle finger to like the general sense of fuck authority figures, but it was never like a- that's a
0: Pennywise song.
2: Ah, sick. Um, But yeah, like there was never like a fully realised like mission statement from the band. Yeah. Like they were just your classic three chord punks of like, "Ah, fuck you.
0: I think, I think the only time I now think, oh, fucking sellout is when someone goes to the WWE. It's like, oh, they're <laughs> going to ruin your character. Like, they're going to ruin you. Yeah. I'm like 38, and it's like, yeah, I want to get my money now, and I just want to sort of be able to retire.
1: It's good for your income, but I think it's generally understood now that it's a bad artistic decision.
0: You know, The only person I could think of recently that's had a really successful run coming in late was AJ Styles.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm I'm trying to think of like uh examples of bands like genuinely full on selling out because I yeah. do think it's like mostly a myth. Um like people cite, you know, Metallica with a black album as, you know, a yeah. classic case, but I do think artistically like that was a very good decision for them. Um yeah. and they kinda of needed to do that. Um I don't know, like there yeah, there aren't that many. Like um
0: I was just gonna say like but like the The early thrash stuff was them in their early twenties, and then they yeah. grew up a little bit. And you know, the stuff that I listened to when I was that age is different to what I listen to now. Like, or totally. I, I always think about like, had I gotten tattoos as a teenager, I would; those would be the ones I'd regret because they would be the dumb shit ones. hundred you know? percent. like, it's like, yeah, but like, your, your opinions sort of change. Like, mm. I will. The only, like, one of the bands that I will, I'm not going to say the only, but, like, one of the bands that that does, basically goes still by what, what they initially were, and it's my favourite band, is the Black Dahlia Murder. Like, you can mm. still hear their old stuff in their new stuff, but there's differences, but, like, nothing has really been compromised, it feels like. For them. but But, yeah, like, absolutely, like, Metallica doing the Black Album was incredibly smart for them, you know, that's what got them their money.
1: I think the idea is that um, even if you change, like, you don't want to like truly contradict yourself, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I've got to talk about one album. Okay, so um, the yeah. band Celtic Frost, uh, Swedish, yeah. I believe, right? Um, uh,
2: Swiss. I was going to say
1: they maybe the Irish. No, no, they're, <laughs> ha, they're actually Swiss. Um, so yeah, this super influential like early thrash band um influence on like extreme metal and black and death metal and stuff. Um, in nineteen eighty seven, I believe, they made an album called Cold Lake that um, has a bad reputation, right? It's like supposedly the album where they went like glam metal and tried to be like Motley Crue and stuff. And so I was doing some research for my um my St. Anger piece and when I didn't listen to this album, I like the rest of their stuff and it is my God, it is horrible. Um
2: wow.
1: I would explain it it's like um imagine a bunch of ugly guys trying to make like like dude Bimbo bro.
0: Yeah, Tom Tom G Warrior is not a not a pretty man.
1: Yeah, and going like oh a lot in like all oh. these. Yeah, that's like,
0: not, it's not like that. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. He does that's good, like the but... it's like the um <laughs> it's his signature thing. Like ooh! Yeah. Yeah. And heard- then they like monotheist, which is Incredible. a terrific help. Have you heard um Cold
1: Lake though, Sam? Uh, I don't believe I have. <laughs> I
2: feel like you'll surprisingly enjoy it because you're super into, like, 80s
0: stuff. Oh, they're early. Like, I've been into their early stuff. Their early stuff is sick. Yeah, but
2: I mean, like, the sort of glam rock elements.
1: It's like, not good, like, though. You're... It's, like, completely laughable. That's the thing.
2: Oh, no.
0: Okay. <laughs> Damn. Like, I'm, I'm going back through and I'm trying to find it. I know Bathory did, like, a kind of almost semi sort of grunge. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Album, and it's that bad. hmm that's not That's not good at all. Um,
2: I think, like, the closest band I can think of as selling out is maybe Weezer just because yeah. they sort of, they very much alienate their fan base every time they release an album these days. But, like, at the same time, they're not pretending that they're not sort of just going for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like
1: It's also no not... Pre- A simple case because you know they were always a pop band. Um
2: it's just like
1: they those kind of strands have like morphed and you know, some have been emphasized more than others and like Rivers is just a weird dude. So he kinda does what he wants. uh,
2: Yeah. Like that's the thing, like there's no sort of they're not pretending otherwise. Like Mm -hmm. they're just dudes having fun playing like dad rock and going for it, why not? Was there anything else you wanted to add, Sam, you're furiously researching? I was
0: trying to find that album. I, I can't remember if it's like grunge. It's it's they did an album that doesn't sound like Bathory and it. it was just crap. Hmm. Yeah. Then that's that's my two cent st- my two cents on that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Sick. Um so back to anti flag. I was gonna say anti freeze, but
2: <laughs> back to anti
0: flag. So yes, they are an activist band that have supported such causes as Greenpeace. Amnesty International. Uh, I wonder if they support the charity muggers that work for Amnesty International,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: Democracy Now!, and Peter. I'm wondering do you think that they're super obnoxious about everything? Like, do you think at any point on stage they've declared the line, wake up, sheeple? <laughs> Probably not was- in those terms. Yeah. Well, they support Peter, so yeah, they wouldn't be. Oh, true. I, um, this uh, is what happens when I don't work out my material on you beforehand.
1: <laughs> Please go, Emma. Uh,
2: what was I? I was just going to say, like, I'm sure they absolutely had, slash, have those sort of diatribes on stage, like, mm. sort of putting forth what they believe in that sort of thing. But I think that's very much part and parcel with this movement, like, yeah. this genre, this brand of music, I guess.
1: I, I also think I imagine, like, if you were a fan going to their show, you would be all in, you know, because like they are a punk rock band, and I'm sure they have catchy tunes and stuff, but like they very much lead with their politics, so they're kind of there's really no mistaking what they are.
0: Yeah, yeah. Remember that time we saw? So we saw Refused the first time in 2012, and they were amazing. Then we saw them again. And he kept on going. <laughs> yeah. ab- he kept on like, like not stopping songs, but like in between songs, he kept on going about on about politics. Yeah, as like I don't quite expect that from Refused. And he kept like his his basic stance was didn't matter if it was going to be Hillary or Trump, we'll both we'll fucked either way. Right. <laughs> coming out of this, coming out of this, this spelt uh, Swedish man spelt is skinny, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think like, that also, opinion
1: needs like nuance to it. You know.
2: Yeah, that's, I don't know. I, it didn't surprise me so much, but I think.
0: But like he didn't do, he didn't talk about politics when we saw them last, when, mm. when we saw them the first time. Probably
2: because it wasn't as topical then. I don't know. True,
0: yeah, true, but Also, yeah, neither
1: I'm, time he was in America, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I've seen like Napalm Death get super political when they go to America. Oh, true, totally. They get they get super fuck Trumpian in, in uh in America. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I also made a mention that their website is really dope. Anti-Flags, that mm. is. In it's, what way? It's just really, it's kind of visually stunning. You go mm. through it and it, it like, it shows like all their albums and all the videos and everything, but it's all in like black and white Oh, cool! and yeah, everything is either, I think it's black and white and I think there's like some red as well. Mm-hmm. Um, It's just, and it's got just this really sort of, it does have that kind of, I don't want to say political, but like that kind of activist sort of look kind of. Kind of DIY. Kind of DIY, yeah. yeah. I guess maybe like what you'd think like Hacker Man would would sort of make (laughs) it look like. Nice. (laughs) But I remember I I went through it and I was like, oh, it's a cool website.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what do we think of the song? Who
2: would Jesus fall? Yeah, who would Jesus kill? The double talk is fast so real. The word of God is now the word of hate War is peace and freedom is the police state Can't you see the writing on the wall? Democracy lays trampled on the floor you better believe that hell yeah I'm confused Paul sure what I thought was the new millennium it's 1984 Mr roll from the grave adding fresh to the page of the young president because an endless this war welcome to 1984 I literally listened to it twice, right before we started recording. (laughs) Um, I, I, yeah, I'm sort of neutral on it. Like, I like what they stand for slash stood for. Like, I remember being aware of them back when I was too busy being a massive Green Day fan to give them any of my attention, Mm. like, I remember sort of thinking of them as like a slightly more radical version of Green Day and Mm. sort of being like, yeah, yeah, not for me. I prefer this, which is a bit more melodic, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, like, again, when I sort of listened to this, I just immediately thought of a pinhead gunpowder song, Life During Wartime, which is Billy Joe with an acoustic guitar. And, again, I like it because it has the same sort of sentiments almost in terms of just being a protest song, but it's gentler and more melodic and mm. so on and so on. So, yeah, that's that's essentially what I feel. <laughs>
0: I, I, was, um, I have started watching this web series called Page Fire and it's a, I think he's Finnish, man, and he talks about, like, how to make certain genres of music and it's mostly punk or metal. Mm. So it's like how to make porno grind, how to make... Uh, a lot of it is grindcore, like silly grindcore subgenres, and he did one about how to make folk punk, and it was kind of like this song, like pretty much just get an acoustic guitar, and you know, it's basically like making folk music but with like the punk aesthetic and yeah. lyrics. Um, I, as far as as far as like uh, the acoustic songs that we've done, I would say it's definitely. Would be in like the tops of the ones that we've done. Mm -hmm. I I quite like it, especially uh, the last couple have been just, I don't want to say wimpy, but no, they've been kind of wimpy.
2: Yeah. They've
0: just had, they've had no sort of like, nothing about it felt, I guess it's pop punk. Pop punk's not dangerous, but it's like, I don't know, this, I like that I can feel this guy's anger in the song. Like it's, he sounds pissed off. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're kind of cut from a different generation of punk rock because, you know, a lot yeah. of that stuff is, like, yeah, 2000s scene, kind of middle-class leaning punk, and yeah. this is um very much coming from, like, an earlier tradition. Um, yeah. Even back this before... Me, um, uh, sorry, Emma?
2: Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, this to me, I immediately think of, yeah, like, Peanut, Gunpowder, Operation Ivy, like, just those earlier... And then, like, Black Flag, even, like, those mm. ones that are very like, fueled by anger as opposed to image comes before. Like, they certainly had an image to them. I remember these guys, again, very similar to, like, Green Day or Interpol and, like, that red, black, white.
0: Yeah, they had that uniform. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, yeah, their material is very issues-driven, like, very politically-driven.
1: Yeah. I was thinking it, um... The acoustic style in particular really connects them, like, even further back before punk rock was even a thing. Like, um... Pete Seeger and Billy Bragg, and I'm um, I mean, even Bob Dylan to an extent. Though Dylan is not as like explicit, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Anti Flag loved Dylan's song "Masters of War," though.
2: I mean, oh yeah, yeah,
1: that's a great song. I'll
2: to um,
1: listen to that. Funny because I heard about Anti Flag a lot in the mid 2000s, but usually in connection with like a political bands. So. Oh.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe that's just
1: because that's what was around at the time. But I'm sure I associate them with like Alkaline Trio and other punk bands that start with a. Just because yeah, um, I'm. I'm thinking
2: like Billy Talent for some reason, even though they're nowhere near alike. Mm. Like, I don't know. Just yeah, I only
0: heard that one. Billy... Falling leaves. No red flag.
2: Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> but yeah.
0: I would have definitely gotten into them had i known about them in high school. This would, have, this would have been my, not to the same extent, like you love Green Day and you still love Green Day. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have held the torch for them like you did, but I would have definitely uh, fucked with Anti-Flag. Mm-hmm. They would have been like my Green Day because I never really, nice. even when I was into pop punk, I never really got into Green Day. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what it was about that that just didn't really gel with me. Um, yeah.
1: I don't know if I would have gotten into them. Like, I guess in high school, I was listening to like more uh, metal that was kind of removed from all of this. Um, I tweeted about this today. The idea that like a lot of mainstream pop culture in the t- the mid two thousands was kind of a void. Um, yeah. Like, there were some bright spots, but it's very much like no wonder I had to go underground to find anything like I was interested in after um, like alternative rock kind of became irrelevant. elephant. Like, teen pop yeah. died out. Um, all this stuff. Just, like, very little in mainstream music that, like, appealed to me at the time.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, and so it's, like, these days I definitely really like this song, but I guess it and, like, probably the overall style of music are stuff that, like, I don't listen to a lot of. It's, yeah. like, I hear it one time and I kind of get the message and... Like, the really great political artists, like, uh, kind of more, like, I guess their music's just as much about empathy and, like, stuff beyond the pure, like, uh, on-the-page politics of it all. So
0: that's, like, what makes you yeah. want to
1: keep coming back to listen, you know? Yeah. Hmm.
0: This definitely feels to me like it's, it's, like, the just the lyrical content feels very much like wake-up, sheeple. True. Like, we're, we're in 1984... I don't know, and just sort of, yeah, because, I mean, it, it definitely dates it back to, like, the Patriot Act. Yeah. Um, like, the Bush era presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was looking through the lyrics on a website, and on, and on that same website people were commenting about their thoughts about the song, and uh, I just love the top comment from Deadman182. So that's when The Undertaker got into uh Blink. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh this song is referencing to how the new millennium is turning out a lot like the world shown in George Orwell's book, nineteen eighty four. Mm. It's like astute observation there, Dead Man one hundred eighty two. <laughs>
1: Do you guys remember um the compilation albums uh Rock Against Bush? Yes. Cause they yeah. were on um Fat Records as well. Uh, just like Anti Flag, um, Anti Flag had, I think, one or two songs on yeah. these albums.
0: I'm just looking. The they were signed for Fat Records, probably at the yeah. time. They were a Fat Records band for for a spell.
2: I get the feeling again, like I think Green Day offered at least one song to that. Yeah, and they did
1: "Favorite on.
2: Yes, and see again, like to me, I think this is what for me was lacking about anti-flag versus Green Day was, like, that song is a bop. Mm. (laughs) And, like, it's shit. But, like, as a teen, like, I didn't know jack about politics in the broader sense. So I guess it did sort of take that sheen of, I don't know, hot guy wearing a red tie and started singing about, like, yeah, alien nation, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like it took that to get me energised about it, whereas this is just, and, like, rightfully so, like, full-blown anger, but I couldn't grasp onto anything to do with it.
1: Like, yeah, literally it's the catchiness of the message, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which I guess, again, that sort of ties into that sort of selling out thing. Like, I could see someone getting fed up with the likes of Green Day for, like, why do you have to dumb it down? Why do you have to sort of sweeten it up for people to buy it? Like yeah. Sort of
1: that like my culture is not your costume sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's just that, you know, Green Day always were that they were like the the Ramones or something, you know, a three chord, like catchy exactly. pop punk mm-hmm. band like that. An anti flag are who they are. And you know, they haven't really yeah. changed much it seems. So exactly.
0: hmm. you can't even really say like they're the, the kind of like hardcore version of Green Day because they were themselves on a major label.
1: Yeah, they were still like relatively melodic. They weren't an actual like hardcore punk band
0: in that genre. Yeah. Oh no! Like mm. I, I did listen to a bit of their stuff Same. during the week, and yeah, it is very. There are uh, quite melodic, like very catchy melodic moments.
1: It's like a bridge between, I guess, between like Green yeah. Day and I don't know, like No Means No, Man, or someone that. who's like really yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, good night. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down.
0: Well, well, that is that. That's me selling out. <laughs> oh,
2: classic Richard.
0: I mean, so we've, we've we've touched on it. Like, yeah, they're talking about like the Bush era presidency. Um, I'm just, I want to know though. Like, I want your opinions. Although it probably wasn't so much back then, but like, I feel like that's a cliche to compare the government to. 1984
1: and Nazi Germany as well now, um, but yeah, it's it's kind of post law. Um, just the idea that comparing stuff to the Nazis overall is like not necessarily useful. Like it can feel like hyperbole. I guess if you're making yeah. like a really specific point, then it can be meaningful. Um, should we just go into talking about 1984?
0: Then I don't know. Yeah,
2: I guess so. Um, we don't really
0: have too much else to say about.
2: Well, I guess the yeah. song. In terms of yeah, that sort of comparison. I think yeah, like you said, Richard. Unless you're making a very specific point, it just comes across as crass. Like hmm. this week, someone remarked about how isolation is sort of like the Gestapo, and I was like, "Wow, what the fuck?" Like, no, it's not. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> um, it. And that's like it's that thing of I get how you're saying like i hate feeling restricted like this but that's absolutely not the same so like it absolutely gets used as hyperbole to terrible effect like yeah. so in that sense yeah like you have to be very careful with how you wield that as a comparison yeah
1: and also yeah it, it can get used in very like disingenuous ways also to shut down conversations instead of like illuminate you know
2: yeah yeah
0: Unless you're talking to a neo-Nazi, in which case, fuck off. Oh, yeah.
2: Like, in that sense, I could see how, like, within the context of today's politics, which I think we're going to touch on briefly, like, yeah, there are literal, like, Nazis wandering the streets. Like, Mm. well, not again, like... Yeah, it would be
0: interesting to see how they would react to actually being in 1930s, 40s Nazi Germany. That is
2: true, but, like there are people out there who follow the tenets of nazis
0: yes, yeah, yeah. they like, like the idea of they like the idea of the racist ideas of nazi of nazism so
2: in that sense like this song can sort of ring true which is really fucked up like yeah we think the further along we progress away from that time things would get better but they haven't
1: yeah if- i think in a lot of ways they have but it's also the idea of history kind of going around in circles and repeating itself and um, also people not really like learning from the past just like assuming things are the way they are or like that you know, just assuming that now is like the most progressive time ever, which, you know, is not necessarily true.
2: No. No, Taking stuff for
1: granted. Um, What was I going to say? I forget. (laughs) Go on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like I'm not sure which of you put this here, but just questioning like our political situation is arguably
1: worse than when this song was written. That's
2: definitely Richard. Yeah, that was me. (laughs) Um,
1: actually, oh, I I'm now about to disagree with myself a little bit. Um, in well, in some ways it's worse because I feel like the discourse is more polarized. Um, a lot of what is bad about um capitalism and Neoliberalism has very much been like illuminated for more people, especially after global financial crisis and the issues with Obama administration and obviously with Trump. But like um, a lot of that stuff does date back to the Bush era and you know the policy of like endless war. So um, it's better and worse, I think. But I also do think it is better than in 1949 when Orwell wrote
2: 1984.
0: Yeah. So I feel like the actual year gets a bad rap. I want to see what good stuff happened in 1984.
1: <laughs> the movie in 1984? <laughs> With John Hurt? No. William Hurt. William Hurt. Um, Princess Purple Rain, so
0: yeah. hell yeah.
1: Um, Definitely. A lot of good music. Did the movie,
0: did the movie come out the same year? <laughs>
1: At this point, I had a brain fart because I thought Sam was talking about the film 1984 and not Purple Rain, the movie. So enjoy the confusion that follows. Yeah, they deliberately made it that year.
0: Ah, what a movie as well. That's a weird movie, actually.
1: Score by the Eurythmics. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. It is a weird movie. It's like not quite a direct one to one. It's like very eighties in the way that, like, I imagine the Georgia Moroda version of Metropolis was, right?
2: Yeah. Ah. Yeah.
0: What was uh? What was the better movie that or Under the Cherry Moon? Nineteen eighty-four. Under the Cherry Moon. No. What was the better movie? Uh, <laughs> Purple Rain or Under the Cherry Moon? Is it Under the Cherry Moon? <laughs>
1: Um, I I prefer Under the Cherry Moon as a movie. Like Purple Rain's more iconic, but it's kind of like um, it, it, it's a weird movie. It's like really bad and regressive in some ways, but also yeah. like an amazing spectacle just to see on screen. Whereas Under the Cherry Moon is just like hilarious from start to finish.
0: Yeah, so that's just a cartoonish movie.
1: Yeah, and it like th- it does more with the soundtrack actually. So okay.
0: I mean, there is a bit in Purple Rain where Prince slaps the uh, the female co-star. Yeah, I can't remember her name. Yeah, uh, not great. And then there's also a bit where he tries to get really tough with his dad, and it's like, "You are four foot nine. We don't bl- we don't buy that for a second. Mm. But still, do we have to talk movie. about Prince? I don't believe we do. Oh, no. Really. Yeah. Wow. I don't believe we do. I'm trying to think of, like, what goes in, like, the classic rock or...
2: Well, like, yeah. I don't know, something like Little Red Corvette or Raspberry Beret or,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm going the check.
2: I'm sort of not surprised by that. But no. it doesn't surprise me that the Fearless bands, like the ones that got picked for this, it doesn't surprise me that that wasn't on their radar necessarily. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's no, there's no Bowie on there. There's, I think. Oh yeah, no, because Paint Black's on there, so the Stones are on there, but like they don't, they don't touch the Beatles.
2: Mm, um, that's probably due to licensing, maybe I don't know.
0: They've gotten some potentially. Big, they've some big acts though.
2: That's true.
0: Like, I feel like the first person to sue over this would be someone like Taylor Swift, and she hasn't. So that's true. After four, you know, songs. Yeah. Four. Was, I think it's four.
2: Something like that.
0: Because yeah, I think we still have to do. We are never ever getting back together. Yep, yeah,
2: have got one more after
0: that. So that would be five because we've already done three.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super interesting podcast talk.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Hey, um. Indeed. Thank you for agreeing. Just to segue all the way back—not segue. That's the wrong word. I don't even know what that word is. Transition. Hard, hard ninety-degree turn. Um, have have we read Nineteen Eighty-Four? Yes. Years ago. Did we all
0: read it in high school? Yes. Yes, yes. but I not thought, for like, high school.
2: Yeah, I think that was the same for me.
0: Oh, no, I read it for high school. Yeah. Because we went and saw a performance of it. Oh. That's right. At the Arts Centre? Yeah. Yeah, at the Arts Centre. That's depressing. Yeah. It was really, yeah, it was, it was good though.
2: Didn't you guys get kicked out? Or something?
0: No, that was another one. Oh. So for drama class, and I think that was like the year before,
2: mm-hmm.
0: for drama class... Our teacher was, like, he took us to this, like, just tiny theatre that seated basically our class and about three or four other people. And we watched this mindless, mind-numbing play about cricket. And it was, it was basically, like, the early days of cricket and how they invented the overarm throw. And it was just the pits. And so we were all just talking. and. Oh Someone in the class let off a stink bomb. Ugh. It wasn't like a full on like it didn't like smoke or anything like that, but it was like a sachet and it had like it was like wet inside and so they just like put it under someone else's chair and <laughs> we got told that we weren't welcome back and the teacher was devastated because I think he was just one of those like tragic, like die hard theatre people and and yeah, he was he thought that it would be great to bring his class to wow. uh like all the like, we came all the way up from uh, from little beach town. <laughs> and took us, took us there, and yeah, they they sent him a letter like, "Don't come back."
1: No way. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> not a slight against theatre, but there is a lot of really bad theatre. Oh god,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a huge margin of error for theatre. Like, like I enjoy musicals, for example, but like. I have not even skimmed the surface of what's available. So I'm sure if I did, I would not enjoy it as much
0: as I do. Musicals, it's just like the music just needs to be good enough and the attention is there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, like this was two people on stage pantomiming, bowling, like (laughs) underarm bowling, and then the guy, and I can still remember his face like as he like starts the overarm throwing, he's just like.
2: Oh, my
1: God.
0: It's just, it was just the. Fucking pits. That sounds like a
1: Sam Simmons skit or something, you know? Yeah. It's like the most mundane Australian thing
0: possible. Yeah, but there was no, like, there was nothing in it that could have been salvaged as, like, (laughs) funny.
2: One might say it just wasn't cricket.
0: It just didn't bowl me over.
2: Hey.
1: Hey. You know know what else isn't funny? What? The book 1984. Any thoughts on it?
0: I
2: days. want to read it again as an adult.
0: Yeah. Myself included. I um I actually because so I mean, he obviously wrote more, but I, you know, his two big books, 1984 and Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. I prefer Animal Farm. Hmm. Yeah. I um I know and that was one I read as an adult. Um that is like a cool 90 pages or something. That is yeah. tiny. Yeah. I've read I I read it basically when we used to when I used to work in the bottle shop and we had our little bottle shop that would get like 20 customers a day, so I would do a lot of reading there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I got started in the afternoon, um, then went to work and basically I just read it the entire shift. I did the same thing with the mice and men as well mm-hmm. um, and just read the whole thing. and the imagery at the very end of the pigs on their back legs, talking with humans, like, frightened me. Mm. And I don't know, I'd love to see that in, like, a Guillermo del Toro-style movie just played for just absolute horror. But that's, you know, we're not talking about Animal Farm, we're talking (laughs) about – I just wanted to talk about Animal Farm because I think it's a better book. It is due
1: for a remake, I'll say that.
2: Yeah. I think – I don't know. Like, I feel like 1984, like, it came across clearly enough when I was a kid. Like, it's not – hard to get the point of it like Mm. becoming a surveillance state, blah, blah, blah. I would like to reread it now given the leaps and bounds that tech has made since Mm. I first read it because I suspect with every reread, it's just going to become more and more scary. (laughs) Is
0: that the thing? Is it going to scare you and depress you?
2: Well, probably, but everything's depressing these days. So except for
0: this podcast.
1: (laughs) I would say yes and no to depressing because um in one way it was very much articulating a lot of the dynamics that were happening at the time, not just in yeah. fascism, but also in like authoritarian communist states. Um like I'm pretty sure when he wrote it, like the extent of like Stalin's atrocities in Russia weren't even fully known yet. Um yeah. China had Oh, what is the timeline of that? I think China had like just become a communist state. So like the problems in China really emerged later. Um but yeah, safe to say like the the book really um I really I found it very illuminating and also um like partly in the level of detail, but also just the way it like uh articulated real world stuff like um like my own family history in China, which is not super notable, but it's like everyone kind of went through that in the 60s yeah. and 70s and stuff. So, like, kind of a universal experience. But it's like um 1984 is also a work of science fiction, I would say, and I was, yeah. well, of speculative fiction. And to yeah. me, yeah, to me, the point of speculative fiction is, I would say it's about um, reaching into the future to warn us in our present. So, in that sense, it's yeah. actually optimistic because it's saying, um, look at this world and, like, you know, this is what we have to be aware of in order to not go down that path.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So I'm sure Antiflag weren't very happy about having to write this song, but...
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm. I, I guess that leads me to, my like, a very obvious question. And, again, I'm very much a pessimist in this sense, like do you think there is capacity for us to learn from 1984? Like, are we learning? Will we we're work? not learning. Yeah. I, I
1: I think in yeah. some ways we have. I think a lot of the people who need to learn those lessons are not going to.
2: That's true, yeah. but I don't know. Even just, like, little things like that app that we're all being told to download, and it's, like, that's a very, very, very watered-down issue that one might have found in 1984, for example. But, like, yeah, on one hand, like, I do not want to download it because I am not confident that the data contained within is being handled properly. But then on the Mm. other hand, it's like I've already given away all of my information to literally everything else on the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know.
1: I did download it um, because... Uh, some of the tech experts who deal with privacy issues, like I'm pretty sure the guy who founded um, Have I Been Owned, that website that oh tracks um, password leaks, he actually said the issues with the um, the app were like not overblown, but he said it was better than expected. Um, obviously, yeah. it's more of a trust thing. You know, can we trust the Australian government and the yeah. institutions to like actually do what they're saying? Who knows? But I was just like, you know, cost benefit analysis. Like, yeah, That's I'm already true. visible enough. So, whatever. Yeah. For me, yeah. anyway. But,
2: yeah. I guess, I don't know, like, going back to the book, like, I, yeah, I'd like to reread it as an adult also because I suspect it wouldn't be as sort of. What's the word? It's not exploitative, but, like, sort of the equivalent of 1984 in terms of, like, media texts these days would be, like, like Mirror and all those kinds mm. of, like, mm. I like that this, like, 1984 just sort of lays out plainly a narrative to do with, like, this is what we're headed for, but it doesn't have that sort of sinister undertone of, like, really basking in, like, how fucked it is, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, totally. Um
2: Like... Yeah, I don't know, like, to answer your question from before, Sam, like, I don't think I would find this as depressing because it's not sort of wallowing in its own, like, shittiness. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, Black Mirror, like, I enjoy watching it, but I already have to be, like, very emotionally... Dead. Yeah, (laughs) like, I already have to be in a bad mental space, be like, well, I guess (laughs) I'll just pile this on. Yeah. Because everything except for Santa Junipero is awful, (laughs) like... Mm. But yeah, I think
1: I with nineteen eighty four it's kind of just like the universe is self contained so it's almost like a book written for um like for a character in that universe yeah. um yeah. a little bit like uh Starship Troopers, which, as a film, is like almost a propaganda film um mm. from that universe, but with like these I tiny think. little bits that
0: kind of tell you it's a satire, you know. Yeah. Like Neil Patrick Harris is literally walking out walking around in an SS uniform at the end of that movie. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you read the book? Um I have not, have you? Yes. I have. Did you like it? I did. Mm. It definitely it definitely had more of that um Yeah, it definitely felt like it had more of a message than the movie. Because the movie, well, I mean, the movie can be in, like it's enjoyed, instead, yeah, as well. yeah, in, in different ways. Like, it can just be looked at as a dumb action movie where humans fight giant, like, space bugs. But then at the same time, it's like I'm pretty sure we invaded their planet. I'm pretty sure yeah. we're the bad guys. Yeah, because in that film, yeah. the
1: humans, yeah, it's presented as very much like it's almost like a teen comedy that turns into a war movie. But that's kind of the point because it's almost like a like a Nazi propaganda film or something. Like if that state made a film about the rise of teenagers to military glory, it's what it would look like. But in yeah. the movie, um, the at one point, like the bugs, which are aliens, retaliate against earth and they bomb Buenos Aires, which is now a part of America in, in that yeah. universe. Um, but then the humans use that as a pretext to invade and like exterminate all the aliens
0: which um, Hey, remember, also kind remember of, 9-11? That's basically what happened there. <laughs> with 9-11? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, no, that was... Uh, I enjoyed... I read that, like, last year. It's a good, good book. Um, hmm. What do we think of the movie 1984?
2: Not seen it.
1: I haven't uh, seen it in a long time. I remember it being very grey and a little bit gross-looking. Um,
0: okay. So So very British.
1: Yeah, and also, I guess, quite defined... By the aesthetics of that period. Um, not unlike mm-hmm. Dune or something, which, yeah, again, yeah. It, I feel like it could be due for a remake.
0: It's it sort of, yeah, because the same with me, like it was a really long time ago. The, basically, all I can think of is just industrial imagery and um, and the last scene with the rats. Um, yeah, it sort of makes me think of basically a razor head with colour. Totally. Of that just. just that was just entirely just warehouses and factories, and just everything is just built in this industrial world. Yeah. Uh, and just super, yeah, kind of grimy. Yeah. A Razorhead is definitely very grimy.
1: I saw a Razorhead a long time after I saw it in So, which that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I would not have realized that.
0: I'm due for a rewatch of a Razorhead.
1: Yeah. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I would say that
0: <laughs> what's David Lynch's best film
1: um, uh, Mulholland Drive, but yeah, inland Empire is like maybe his deepest that's like a terrifying film um but Twin Peaks to Return is also just like an era defining masterpiece to me, like probably the best anything to kind of last decade, so mm.
0: I've not seen. Inland, I think Inland Empire and The Elephant Man are pretty much the only ones I haven't seen at this stage. Wild at Heart was good, as was Blue Velvet. Are you still there, Richard?
1: Yeah, I was just um, changing my mic batteries, so I was trying to like test if I could <laughs> do it before um, before it seemed awkward, but I failed. So, <laughs> oh well. <laughs>
2: Um, I wonder if it's worth, uh, unless we have any more 1984
1: adjacent thoughts. Yeah. Richard? No, I did have uh, one thing to circle back to. How yeah. do we feel about um, politics and music, whether it's like bands that are really explicit about it or not? Like what's your relationship with that kind of being? I um, was
2: just about to circle back to that. Oh, so wow. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know like i have a very interesting and probably very privileged relationship to politics in general in that sorry <laughs> that sam's been like nope i'm out um yeah like i'm much more politically minded than i was when i was a teen like mm. peak like when music really did influence who i was as a person and all that but like I definitely don't understand the nuances of politics anywhere near as much as I would like to. Mm. Um, And then, for example, like Twitter discourse, like online discourse just doesn't help because it is so polarised. Like Mm. it just sort of becomes identity politics at that point. Um, So I don't know. Like for me in terms of political music that I relate to that I enjoy. It's very much only ever been like that sort of surface level, like Green Day or like politics in a different sense, like feminist politics yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, I'm curious to like see if we can identify any musicians or bands nowadays that are political, like in an obvious sense, if that makes sense.
1: Um It's... Yeah, it's hard to point to artists that are like truly political a hundred percent of the time, and also it depends how you define it. Like, I've yeah. always subscribed to the phrase um, "the personal is political," which is yes. it kind of comes out of second wave feminism. It's also very hard to define, but it's I guess it's the idea of, like you know uh, governmental politics one thing like that's the most literal definition but politics is also how everything affects people personally and on an identity level and stuff like that so in that sense it's like i would say someone like kendrick lamar is very political even though not every song
0: of his is about that you know wasn't that a big part of miss americana was her saying like hey these are my politics yeah and And like hasn't like part of lover like a some songs from Lover Bean been very sort of politically. A few of Like,
1: yeah. yeah, the song Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince is explicitly oh, okay. political. But also, I, like, don't entirely get that song, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know what it's, it's up, about, but to me, it's, like, a metaphor. But, yeah, I don't know.
2: Sort of, it's a metaphor, but done poorly. Like yes, it's well and good to compare the state of the world to high school, yeah. but it's also like that's a very basic comparison to make. Like
1: To me, it's not a protest sign, It's just like Taylor kind of illustrating that world feud the way she knows best, I guess. Yeah. Whereas um, I feel like she's done better in her actions and what she's said publicly since.
2: Exactly, yeah. But
1: maybe it's just not a perfect fit for her, you know?
2: And that's, yeah, especially for an artist who for so long did feel that push to not talk politics, to not talk about that kind of stuff because it would alienate, like, half her audience. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think of your, like, what is your relationship to politics and music, to political... Acts, what do you identify
1: with, blah blah blah. Um I already said a little bit, so I I will continue. Um <laughs> <going for it. laughs> yeah, I guess a few other acts I've been quite drawn to are like um Bruce Springsteen who is yeah. he has had his like explicitly political moments, but also everything kind of relates to the idea of um like empathy and like the common man and stuff like that.
2: Because
1: it is very much about, like, the working classes. Yeah, yeah. Like, not every song, but... um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, a song like Born in the USA, you know, very famously. Like, it's very bombastic and synth-heavy and anthemic, but not in the way that people think it is. Because it's very much an anti-Vietnam War song, but, like, Ronald Reagan tried to use it as a campaign song and didn't get the idea. Um, It's really a very angry song, but I like to think of it as, like, Like, the vocal is very impassioned. If you put that in a punk rock contest text, it would totally work. But it's almost like imagining him, like, standing in front of American flag, but, like, you know, the anger in that symbol or something.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And also, I guess, a band like U2, who are um, sometimes very literal, but I think have, yeah, connected it to, like, broader ideas. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Sam? Um, well, I mean, I guess a lot of the stuff I listen to isn't terribly, you can sort of stray down certain lines and there are, I guess I'm trying to like tip, not tiptoe around, but like, I guess, I mean, there's, there's certain sects of black metal that's about politics, but the wrong kind of politics. (laughs) Yeah. and it's that sort of thing, like, if I discover a new black metal band, I kind of do a bit of a look into them first before totally. I start listening to them. Um, but a lot of the just the death metal that I listen to is, you know, mostly just sort of fantasy-driven or, like, horror-driven. Or True. Um, again, like, the Black Dahlia Murder, to their, their album Ritual is sort of like a concept album about different kinds of, like, sort of, like, Urban legends and mm. real life serial killers and um, like yeah again like rituals and that sort of thing like it's 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 mo- it's all stuff that's like I guess when it goes into like serial killer territory it's like real but a lot of it is in this sort of you know fantasy where it's like a, or like a like a violent sort of fantasy but then a lot of the like the the doom metal and stuff also goes into fantasy territory as well. Yeah. Um so I guess the stuff that I would listen to isn't terribly political politically driven until you get into, you know, napalm death. Yeah. You know, until you get into sort of like Grindcore, that's very politically driven, or like the, you know, some of the punk that I listen to, like um, you know, Black Flag. Um even the Misfits I think have had some of their some mm. protest songs um well, not maybe not protest songs but like political songs cuz um you know like bullet about the JFK assassination you know that sort of thing mm. but i i i think there's definitely a place for politics in music absolutely
1: you? to me that's like yeah. the one of the distinctions between metal and punk is that like they don't necessarily sound that dissimilar but the ethos is often quite different like um yeah. uh Metal tends to be more metaphysical and existential. or well, Also, yeah. you know, metal can just be about metal. You know, we all know yeah. how that goes. But punk is, like, a bit more righteous and, uh, like, ideologically driven, I want to say. And so I yeah. often do really like how, like, when those genres, like, link up. Not just in terms of ideology and lyrics, but also as a philosophy of, like, You know, the kind of more straightforward, message-driven punk rock, like simple songs with like the technicality of metal and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah. like a Death or a Converge or something like that. Yeah. It's a good time.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah, sorry, guys. I'm just (laughs) blanking this week.
1: Much to talk about, but also, yeah. One of our shorter episodes.
0: Like I remember, I remember, um, I remember Chuck Schuldner from Death being interviewed about his, you know, about the lyrics, especially during like the Scream Bloody Gore um, era, which was like their very beginnings. Mm. And you know, the person interviewing him was like trying to say that like he's encouraging violence and all that sort of stuff. He's like, no, I just like horror films. Totally. I just like I just like horror films, and I just wanted to write lyrics about. You know, the stuff I've seen in horror films. Mm. This is also a dude, I'm pretty sure, like, there's pictures of him on stage with, like, a shirt with cats on it.
1: Yeah, he seemed like a very cool dude.
0: That is a, like, I just did, so I had a day where I wasn't on the phone, so I did a, I did a, I did all their, I did their discography. Nice. um, For the day, and that is a band that has basically, like, they've just, from top to bottom, didn't release a bad album.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot
0: I need to catch up on them with them. Yeah, like it's super, super accessible as well. Like it's it only took a few hours to sort of get through all of it.
1: Mm. Weird because I started with the last album, um, the Sound of Perseverance, which is probably my favorite of this. Which I should have like done it the other way around, if anything.
0: Yeah, because I started with Symbolic, which I think is one of their like that might be like their second last album. So like for me, that's that's my favorite death album. Um. Yeah, kind of interesting how we went about that. Mm. Death. Death. <laughs> Life.
2: I think, like, at the moment, like you said, Richard, like there's so much to talk about in terms of, like, the political realm. But it just at the moment, and again, I'm just being super depressing, like, it just feels like such a monumental shit show that, like, mm
0: there's so much to talk about but I'm lost for words yeah Yeah.
2: like part of me just wants to curl up in bed and just ignore all of it and that's a very again a very privileged position to have but like I don't know like sort of just watching what's going on in the U.S. at the moment and it just spirals further and further like away from any semblance of normal it's just like well what the fuck are we meant to do with this?
0: <laughs> mm, it's like what did you expect you elected a reality television mm. star as your president?
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just it all feels very false at the moment, and it's just hard to verbalize how cooked everything is.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I
2: don't
1: know. I think that impulse to just crawl into bed is like universal at this point, so. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all hibernate and then come back and then you know get vaccinated <laughs> yeah and then go to a concert do better
0: as you stated on fibbage last night my if i could be reincarnated i'd be reincarnated as a grizzly bear and what do they do for all of winter mm-hmm. they sleep nice um, they know what is up and they enjoy honey as well Ah.
2: So, hell yeah or
0: yeah, nah, to the song. Oh, fuck yeah, we were talking about a song, weren't we? we were. <laughs> no, I'm what do we think of the song Welcome to
2: 1984 by Antiflag?
0: I'm going to give it a hell yeah. Especially considering this has been the first one, first acoustic song for probably since um, uh, the British one that did come out to LA, mm. um, uh, Don, Don, Don Brocco. Yeah. That, that's probably, that was probably my first acoustic song that I've enjoyed since that. Yeah, but yeah, that's um. I'd give it a hell yeah. I
1: could have a. Hell, I'd give it a hell yeah. Um, a a light one though, not like a an enormous. Yeah, one.
0: but that's not like yeah. an indictment on them at all. You know.
2: Yeah,
0: I did have a look through, and there was the you know people have ranked the acoustic songs, and it's definitely one that's ranked pretty low in a lot of lists, right?
2: Okay.
0: Um, so I'd be yeah, I'm kind of curious about that, but like. Yeah, just the last couple have just been really watery kind of crap songs. Yeah. What about you, my love?
2: Um, I give it a hell yeah. I'm just trying to find. There was like a turn of phrase in the song that I forgot to bring up and it really did my head in just the way they, I think they said, bear with me. Yeah. So there's one lyric where they're like, so tell me now, what are the fuck we fighting for? I think, instead of saying, what the fuck are we fighting for?
0: <laughs> what are the fuck we fighting for?
2: Because, like, I get it because in terms of, like, the, um... Oh, what's the word? What
0: are the fuck we fighting for? Yeah, that's...
2: Like, in terms of the rhythm of, like, I get that in terms of enunciation, that makes sense, but that, yeah, that would be one of the things that's preventing, like, a very enthusiastic hell yeah, is oh. just because that ring, really, it did my head in a bit. But, um, no, hell yeah, I like it. And, yeah, I think... Had I been a little bit older at the time, I probably would have vibed with Mm. these guys.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, Because I would have had more of a brain to actually listen to what they were saying. But, yeah, solid effort.
0: Mm. What are we doing next week?
2: We are recording a podcast.
0: Uh, Yeah.
2: So next week we are looking at the song Down by Jay Sean featuring Lil Wayne as covered by Breathe Carolina for Punk Goes Pop
1: Three. Uh I just wanna say that Jay Sean is like actually a much more interesting figure than you would think, just from that song, which we will probably discuss next week.
2: I was gonna say, will you be joining us next
1: week? <laughs> I would love to. Okay. I
0: believe Excellent. you've just invited yourself onto next week's episode. <laughs> Indeed. So.
2: I just I assume you're on unless you say otherwise at this point.
0: <laughs> cool.
2: I love this setup. It is again one of the few things keeping us safe. Absolutely is yeah, having that contact with our friends who we can't touch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um You can touch me. Oh jeez. That's true. Hello.
0: You could touch me.
2: Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> Again, thank you, Richard. Would you like to plug anything? Because we haven't been giving you an opportunity to plug
1: uh, anything. We to ask. Yeah, I mean, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, follow me at rsh underscore L are um, mm-hmm. working on new music. Actually, I'm probably going to submit the stems for mixing for our third single tomorrow. Um, hey. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of
2: how Wait. is L going in ISO? Like, how's that process working out?
1: Um, we have kind of these assigned things that we're supposed to be working on anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Um nice. So, yeah, it's just like I'm finishing tracks. She's shooting some videos in creative ways. But, yeah, we're like, uh, yeah, it's still like talking every day and stuff. Just we don't need to actually like hang out and, you know get the brain yeah. juices flowing in that sense for some new material. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Nice. If Blink-182 could record an album while one was, one person was in England and the others were in America, I'm sure, <laughs> you guys will give me the best.
1: Yeah, that album kind of... Neighbourhoods, right? Yeah. 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 That sounded like a difficult process for them, didn't it?
2: It was a good album. Great
1: album.
0: But- but- yeah, shocking. Like, it shouldn't have been good, but it was. Yeah. yeah. Because that was their first album after... The breakup. Yeah, after the breakup.
2: And it still didn't work because they're broken up again.
1: Yeah, I know. But okay. well, They seem on good terms now.
2: I... Just... I know that everyone listening wants to turn this off, but, like... They can. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because well, there's no, there's no, we can't. We don't actually have a gun against their head. Like, <laughs> oh, because, because we're not there with them, but...
2: But, like, I... Obviously, like, it's really lovely that they're all, like, mates again, but it just gives me the shits. Like, I just want them to stop flirting with the idea of them being a threesome. Yeah. Like,
0: it's, it's that horrible thing, like, if they were to, like, if Tom was to come back, what do they do with Skiba?
2: He's not coming back, though. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: I don't see Tom being in that headspace. Like, he's doing Angels and Airwaves, he's, you know, he's gotten the US government to, yeah,
2: yeah. like, I don't know. And it's stupid because, like, they are not just these public figures. Like, they are legitimately mates or whatever. But please stop talking about it because every time they tweet each other or talk about hanging out or calling each other or doing, it's just, like, stop adding fuel to the fire, like, yeah, it's not going to happen, and I hate every time. Like, everyone's being like, oh, what are you trying to tell us? It's like they're not trying to tell us anything.
0: Yeah. Real quick question for you, Richard. If Dimebag hadn't died in, what was it, 2003? Yeah, 2004, I think. 2004. How soon would that Pantera reunion have happened? Um, I know that him and, him and Phil were pretty volatile, but...
1: Yeah, they... Um- I think they would have needed the scene to kind of grow out of metalcore and stuff and come back around. So, probably mm-hmm. I want to say 2010 or 11. Because, like, by the time yeah. Machine Head did the blackening, like, people were kind of circling back to that idea. So, yeah. You, you, it's like you need yeah. a certain amount of distance in order to be nostalgic and also yeah. in order to spin something new out of that. So, yeah.
0: Also, Damage Plan was not a good band.
1: I. Actually like the album more than I expected um, i like <laughs> I, will, I will say very quickly because this is somewhat relevant to the theme of this episode um rage against the machine like yes yeah. good band someone once described them as like always being only seventy five percent as good as you remember them being in your minds <laughs> and I feel like that is often true like they have some great songs but um I kind of have beef with them for not having actually written any or done anything new since 03. Because like they got back together in like 07 or something. Um,
2: yeah. They played the big yep. day
1: out. You know, I know like a thousand people who went to that. I didn't um which is beside the point. But um it mm-hmm. just annoys me that like the idea of their music is kind of set in amber, you know? It's like yeah. frozen. Um, and so to me it doesn't really feel alive which is i think what you want from a lot of political music like they are uh, you know still public figures and still representing themselves but the music hasn't evolved like the most exciting things happened to rage against the machine literally in the last decade are like Denzel Curry covering balls on parade and the um <laughs> video of like the five-year-old girl singing killing in the name like yeah last week. So, yeah Go and write. Think- go and write some new history. Like that's to me is like it's not exactly them selling out because I guess you know with touring they are in some ways spreading the message and keeping the flame alive. But you know, just like give us it's something new to chew on. You, want, you yeah. know,
0: they had that. Um, I think they did a show recently. I can't remember if they had like a big fucking flag. Or if it was on Tom Morello's guitar, but it was just said like Nazi lives don't matter. Right.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and and so of course right wing people were like,
2: ooh Yeah. And
0: not right wing, but like neo Nazis were yeah. upset about that. Mm. It was like, who cares?
2: I think yeah, like it's it's a very safe option to just not produce any new material. Like you're very much resting on your laurels, like you've done the like market or whatever, you, like, you've
0: tested this, it checks out. So now you're just going to keep parading it? Like, yeah. Bulls
2: parading it. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But like, yeah. I think they should... I think- it's like they should choose to exist fully or to not. Like, if the band's run its course, yeah. then let it be and, you know, no one can hold against them. But, I don't know. Like, same with um System of a Down. Like, they're still touring. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of trouble, like, actually writing together, which I understand. But it's like, I feel like every other big 90s band has done it. Like, Faith No More put out a new album. And it's like, even if you don't listen to it or don't super like it, at least that kind of, you know, proves its
0: point. Maybe Rage Against the Machine is that one band that understands the – People who come to our shows now aren't going to appreciate the new music. They're not coming to see mm. new Rage Against the Machine. They're coming to see Killing in the Name Of. They're coming sure. to see Home Parade. They
1: do. They're coming. Yeah. They have always had their like meathead fan base, but it's like, you know, people aren't coming for new music until they are, you know, it's like you have to make them care. Yeah. That's like the challenge of being an artist, I think. That's, mm.
2: Yeah, I can see it from both sides. Like I can mm. see them being like, they're giving them exactly what they want. But then on the other end of the argument, I can see, like, I do feel like there is some obligation to kind of earn your keep. Yeah. Like, similar to, like, if I were to go into a coffee shop, order one coffee, and then just sit there, fuck it around <laughs> for the rest of the day. Like, yeah. they need to be putting out that extra material to sort of make their presence in this time, era, whatever, relevant. Like, yeah. I, I think
0: because, for me, like, a lot of the time when I see a band, uh, I maybe haven't taken the time to listen to that new album. So when they, when the singer trots out that line and here's this, here's this song from the new album, who got the new album? (laughs) I kind of go, I kind of revert back a little bit like, no, I want to listen to your old stuff that I know. Just play what I like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rage.
2: Against the machine.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah, on that note, thank you for listening to Punk Goes Pod. Thank you for joining us, Richard. Thank you. Um, We have a pizza on the way, so So, I am...
0: Yeah, it's about 10 minutes away.
2: Oh, cool. So, yeah, um, we really need to... I say this every fucking week. We need a sign-off.
0: Our sign-off is that we keep saying we need a (laughs) sign-off.
2: I know, but it's just so boring.
0: Uh, oh, I didn't say it was a good one, but it's <laughs> it's what we've kind of been stuck with.
2: Yeah. Um. Yep. Let's just press stop.
0: King <laughs>
1: Forces. Some are sure in the forces. On the same one, the closest. Kill a Namon. Kill an
0: Namon. do a torture. Gun do a torture. Gun do a do a to fly and